Welcome to the Millennial Way. Real millennials, real success. This is how they did it. Tailoring the next generation of leaders. I'm proud to be your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, what is up? Welcome back to the Millennial Way. This is episode of season six, and we're kicking it off with my man, Andrew Agnone, to talk a little bit about consulting, some finances, and a bunch of other fun stuff. Andrew's an awesome, well-rounded person. And guys, if you ever get to meet Andrew Agnone in person, I hope you just walk over and say what's up to him because I can almost guarantee that he'd have a conversation with you. When I say almost, I mean like 99%. If you catch him hungover, then I don't know if that's that's a possibility. (laughs) But guys, I hope you guys had a fantastic Memorial Day weekend. I was lucky enough to go out on the lake in Lake Chelan, which is about two, two and a half hours east of, of Seattle. It's in Washington. Stayed at my buddy's uncle's house with him and two other buddies, and it was just a blast. I mean, we socially distanced, so we stayed away from you know other people while also talking to other people because we're just social people, and I had some big glasses of wine. And the reason being was because I had to celebrate because last week's webinar went so well that Stetson University actually asked me to come back and do a part two on landing your first job. I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into networking and a bunch of other stuff, and we'll make that available to you guys as well. But I did want to let you know that the webinar that I am planning on posting, it's going to be posted on Friday. We've ran into just a couple technical difficulties, so cut us some slack here. But we're going to post it on Friday, and all I ask is that you sign up for the email list, and it'll be free. That's it. Sign up for the email list, and you'll be able to get exclusive notes from me. Yes, that's right. I'll send out personal emails based on if I'm feeling motivated, inspired, or if I just see something fun and cool. I'll be sending it out to you guys, and it'll be straight from me. And you also get recaps of the seasons and then also a sneak peek of the next upcoming season and then maybe even a sneak peek into some of the guests. So if I were you, I'd go sign up for that just to be able to get some of that webinar content. And then when I think about it, I'm actually re-recording the webinar. And guys, I believe in high quality work, whether I'm in my corporate office working at Nestle, whether I'm here in my, you know, I call it my home office. It's got my bed and stuff in there too. So, you know, I guess it just changes during the day as most of us, uh, our offices changed during quarantine now, but y'all like I had to go back and re-record because the production quality had some, uh, had some opportunity to say the least. So I'm going to be posting that on Friday, making it available to you guys. I'm super pumped to get that out. I think it's very, very crucial, particularly around this time where we have a bunch of college kids graduating, college kids, college adults graduating and stepping into the young professional life and just trying to figure out what they want to do moving forward. So this will give you a good look at how to network and essentially how to network to a job. That's how I did it. That's how I continue to do it. That's how I've moved up in my career so quickly. And I would say it's a pretty, pretty good uh, strategy. And if you want to move up and if you want to get into the companies that you're looking for. So before we talk to our good friend, Andrew Agnone, I did want to mention real quickly that I have some really big things coming up. As you guys know, I'm working on my book. I've made great progress on it, made great progress on it over the weekend. Um, I've meditated and meditating has helped me tremendously, not only in my you know daily life to help focus and concentrate, but also when it comes to having these epiphanies of what I want to write about, what I want to talk about, what I want to do next. So it's always been a lot of fun. And then also, guys, I have something that's really exciting to me, at least. And I've been I am now partnering with FTX Fitness. Now, we're going to put their Instagram handle down in the show notes for you guys so you can go check it, check it out. But I'm actually using two of their products. I just started and it's their immune complex, immune and complex product and their rebalance. Now you guys know that I'm a big proponent of mind body. 
if you don't have, if your mind's not right, your body's not going to be right. If your body's not right, your mind's not going to be right. And I think putting the right things in your body is important. So when FTX actually reached out to me, I was skeptical at first. We've had some sponsors reach out and I've always been kind of like on edge. I don't know if you guys fit in with our brand. I don't know if it's really what I'm preaching. But when I was looking at their products, y'all, I got really excited because I was like, so you got stuff that can essentially be a substitute for all my vegetables for the day. That's great. You got stuff that could boost my immune system even better because I'm not outside and I'm stuck in quarantine and I'm not doing the same things to keep my immune system up. So I'm really excited to use this. And I'm also really excited to let you guys know that you guys get 15% off of your purchase if you use my promo code. My promo code is ChaseMW. That's right. MW, like millennial way, and try some of their products out. I will be giving you guys more reviews as I continue to have these. I'll tell you one thing, they taste fantastic. It's not like a lot of other proteins or um, different supplements that I've used in my past. Being a former athlete, I've used a lot of them, but these actually taste the best. Now, next up to see is the performance. And if I've read the reviews correctly, looks like the performance of them is pretty good. So anyways, now that you know about my upcoming partnership that I just signed, now you guys know all about my book coming out and the webinars that are coming out. Let's get into it with Andrew. My little brother is really the reason that like even stemmed me to think about like consulting as like a field because he was shooting me all these texts last week and he was like, yo, like, what, what do you think about consulting and all this stuff like that? Now, my brother's 21. He's about to be, a, he's going into a spring semester of junior year and he's thinking about like internships and stuff. Right. And yeah. he's like, well, what do you think about consulting? Like I can, I don't think I'm going to get the internship with Google, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, hold up. Like from what I've heard from my friend's experiences, like it's great money. You get to travel a lot. You get a lot of rewards points, but like at the same time, like you're at the beckoning of a client and like all those different things, like really like I took exactly what you had told me and basically just told him that. And he was like, oh, I don't want to be like the person coming into companies and telling them what to do and they don't like me. And I was like, okay, then you don't need to be working and consult. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I was just like, yeah, it depends. It depends. And I had that, you know, it's one of those things where um, talking to you about that, that primarily when I saw your questions through the email, I was like, yeah, auditing the clients really didn't like you. Yeah. Right. Because you would come in and you're you're basically double checking their work and telling them when they're wrong. And the thing that they don't understand, especially from public accounting, is that they you, you go in and you're the good auditor. Yeah. You're the ones that are protecting them from potential bad auditors, as I call them, <laughs> you know, an IRS audit or um, you know a regulatory audit where you're getting you know, fines, penalties, and potentially even worse because of stuff you're doing, where if we caught that on the front end, you had the opportunity to correct it. And then, you know, you can go in and you're good to go when the other bad auditors come in. Yeah. But consulting was a little bit different. Um, I had a couple of clients where they weren't super happy just because of the amount of money that they had to spend for us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but primarily for consulting, the clients were super happy because they usually had a problem that they didn't solve in house, and we came in, and that's where we came in and helped them out. Yeah, and like hey, they're super appreciative. Like hey, thank you for doing this because if we tried to do this in house, we would miss the deadline that we would have had to hit, and we wouldn't know what to do. Exactly. So, so it was a little bit different where you're like, all right, yeah, 
Like, so, so when you're telling your brother, hey, yeah, sometimes the client takes <laughs> you. Not all the time. Usually when you're a consultant, they'll, they'll usually appreciate you. Uh, however, that being said, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword because you want to make sure that if you are telling them that you're going to provide a certain service, you better, you know, show up. Yeah, you better deliver on that. Yeah, because I've, I've watched as consultants have over-promised and under-delivered, and that is never, never <laughs> in anything, in anything, whether it's, you know, a normal job or consulting, you never over-promise and under-deliver. Yeah. And I've, and I've, I've watched as, uh, as, as that's unfolded, and that you you end up in a bad situation. Yeah, it's like you you I mean as a as a consultant as the person who's working for a client, right? You're under a microscope and it's like everything that you're doing. And by the way, I am going to take some of this conversation and throw it into the episode. Um okay. it's like everything that you're doing is it's it's under a microscope. Everybody's looking at it. They're like, "Oh, well that's Andrew and he's the consultant that we hired and we're paying six figures just to have him here for three weeks or whatever it may be. And they always tie a number back to it. And I mean, I've, I've worked with consultants who have been within my own like marketing organizations within Starbucks and at Nestle and they're great people. And they have like a very specific skill set, which whether they're the visionary or the financial analyst, or they're the person that can do it all, but they're, everything that they do, whether it's good or bad is always looked at as like, well, we had to pay 500k for just to get them here for 3 months and it's like I don't make that in a, in 3 years and people start automatically like comparing and contrasting the consultant to them and then you look at the yeah. output that the consultant does within a matter of like you know a 1 month project, 3 month project, 6 month project, 1 year project and you're like damn okay like it was worth the money because we never would have got that done and I personally didn't have the skill set to be able to do that. Like I think creative contractors when they come in and work as a consultant it's really cool because within my realm a lot of people don't have that creative ability and like for the millennial way even like i had to hire my buddy jorge as my creative director because i can't do my own creative like he's so skilled within photoshop and with all these different things to create creative assets that i'm like you tell me the timeline of when you could get them done because i don't even know what goes on behind the behind the facts like or behind the you know the computer when you're working on stuff. So I'm right there with you. It's like, it's a double-edged sword, but at the same time, like it's always good work that comes out of it. Well, at least you would expect it. For the most part, right? Well, and that's an expectation when you're putting a high dollar amount into that work product, you expect that you're going to get the best of the best. And the thing is too, is, you know, yeah, it might be some long hours, but they're going to think about different things that if you know just like you said where you might not have the experience or the skill set they they do and chances are they're going to think of different scenarios and they've gone through the checklist yeah you know saying yep all right yep we've already thought about x we've already thought about y we've already thought about z here's how they're all going to come together in this little web and therefore our product this is the best that you're going to get yeah um and it will for the time frame for the time frame that you needed in exactly um, and if you want to give us x amount of extra time then guess what we'll provide you with something even better because we have the opportunity to brainstorm even more yeah um, yeah but it just depends it just it just depends because there's a lot of different types of consulting there's a lot of different stuff that you can do um and that's i kind of laugh when you said what all do consultants do because it's like 
everything. Yeah, we're basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? We're, we're basically problem solvers. Uh, at the end of the day, a company has a problem, and we are contracted in to help solve that. Yeah, because they can't they, because they don't have the resources to do it internally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Let's all right. Let's get into these questions. Um, yeah, that's all good stuff. I'm going to take some bits and pieces from it and really use it within there. I I got some new like uh, this guy who's making some new audio for me to throw some like riffs and shit in there. Um, so that way it'll be pretty cool to be like, wait, say that again, and then we could have something like come back. So I'm I'm pumped about this. Um, Andrew, my man, the man, the myth, the legend. So. Before we even get started with today's interview, I have to let the people know how we met. Okay, so first off, you guys know I'm a master networker, at least I like to consider myself one. And my roommate Thomas had some buddies come in for shoot, it was like a weekend. But Andrew decided he was coming to Seattle for the week. And <laughs> I got to I got to live with this guy for 10 days. And let me tell you guys, we connected so quickly. And I was like, damn, man, you gotta tell me about your life. And when I started getting to know Andrew, I automatically thought that he had to come on the millennial way, but also I knew that I had to befriend him. Guys, this guy is amazing. He's hilarious. I saw him. I went down for my buddy. My buddy Gunner got married in Charlotte, which is where Andrew resides. And there was one night, it was like right after the wedding. And Andrew was like, man, if you don't make it out, then we're not friends. And he didn't say that exactly, but that's how I was feeling. And man, let me tell you guys, I hopped in an Uber, drove 20 minutes, met up with Andrew, and we had a blast. We met up with your boys, Will Baker. I met some other kids from Clemson. We had, I'm done ranting about how great Andrew is because you guys are going to hear from him today. So, everybody, welcome Andrew Agnone, who is, I mean, the man, the myth, the legend. I call him Swagnone. You guys can call him whatever you want, but Andrew works for him. Andrew, how are you doing today? (laughs) I'm doing really well, dude. I appreciate that introduction. That's too funny. I had, a, I had a blast when I came out to Seattle, and uh, I appreciate you letting me bum on your couch for ten days. <laughs> it's a comfy place, man. I spend plenty of nights there, so I'm not I'm not mad at sharing my bed with you. What's hilarious, and I think I need to tell your audience, is uh, the fact that you had a trip within my trip. So I was out there. <laughs> I came out there for the first weekend. You left for four days. And then came back the next weekend, and I'm still there, and we do another weekend. So I think that that's important, that they need to know that. They did need to know that, especially the fact because you guys came and picked me up from the airport. And, like, when you dropped me off at the airport, it was like we did a switcheroo because I'm pretty sure I got out the car and Will Baker got in the car. And he was like, hey, man, nice to meet you. I'm Will. And I was like, nice to meet you. I'm Chase. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fortunately, you came back for the next weekend and got the opportunity to spend at least a little bit of time. With him, but he was out earlier than Catherine and I were, so that was fun. Was that was yeah, fun. Was so much fun, y'all. So, so as I mentioned, Andrew has spent the majority of his early part of his career within consulting, and in talking to you guys, I've I've learned that consulting is really interesting to all of you guys. It was interesting to me, and I quite frankly have looked at plenty of different big big time consulting groups, whether it be the Boston Consulting Group, um, EY, Deloitte, any of the big four or any of the big guys that are out there. And Andrew's actually spent some time in it. Within my time, you know, within corporate, I would say marketing with and also strategy, I've also spent some time working with some consultants. And I think that Andrew has a great perspective on what life as a consultant is, what it entails. And then also, I mean, like dude's got 
a million rewards points when it comes to flying and hotels. So, Andrew, if if you could, could you just give us a quick like cliff note version of how you got into consulting and like a little bit about your journey from Clemson to then consulting and becoming a consultant? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, so I started out, I went to Clemson, I majored in accounting. Um, I got my bachelor's and I graduated a little bit early and did a busy season internship to try to figure out whether or not I wanted to choose the audit or tax route okay. of public accounting. Um, and so after doing uh, about a seven month internship during busy season, um, oh, I decided that I was going to go down the auditing path. Okay. Um, and so in busy, busy season, that, you mean like the springtime, like tax season? Yeah. So spring, oh yeah, exactly. So busy season for public accounting. It is tax season um, for the counterpart, counterparts that are uh, within the tax field. Okay. And for auditors, um, usually uh, most entities are not necessarily most, but a lot of entities operate on the calendar year, fiscal year. Yeah. Which means that they go from Jan 1 through 1231, and, uh, and then they have their annual filing. Okay. Um, and so... For an auditor, busy season is taking those annual financial statements and um, you know going through them, auditing them, and then preparing preparing a report for the board. Um, and that's awesome. An opinion on those financial statements. Um, so I spent my first seven months in public accounting uh, doing some auditing work um, as an intern, and fortunately got some overtime, which was awesome at the time. I was still living in Clemson, commuting up to Greenville. Okay, and. Uh, and so that overtime pay was unbelievable. Got an Xbox One, actually. That's how I can play with you. Uh, <laughs> so I was able to uh, was able to get a little bit of overtime hours, but I decided that I was going to go the auditing route. Um, but with the end goal that I probably wasn't going to end up in auditing for too terribly long, okay, just so that I could develop a skill set and knowledge base. That could take me into more of a consulting role. Okay. Um, and and in public accounting, they call it advisory. Um, if you're if you're on the CPA route of things, and, and sometimes consulting if you're not part of that CPA portion. Okay. That's and interesting. So, I, yeah, it, it's different. I don't necessarily know why. And sometimes we even call our non CPAs. Uh, advisors as well advisory the whole goal in public accounting really is to become a trusted advisor that was uh that was the pitch for everybody okay um, and with understanding that you know our clients would come to us with issues um that they could trust we could help solve okay that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense and quick question for you is as you were thinking about consulting as a as an entirety right Going down the CPA route and the accounting route, you could either go work at like a bank and go work in like accounting, essentially. You could go work for a corporate entity like a Nordstrom or a Starbucks and go work in accounting as well. What was really that, what drove you into consulting? Was it the fact that you get to travel and work in different places? Was it that you get to work with different clients? Is it that you were a problem solver and that you thought you'd get to uh, maybe board working on just one business? Like, what exactly was it that made you want to be like, you know what, consulting is, is the route I want to go? Um, I think it was the, well, I think I know. It was the opportunity long term to have a broad 
however precise knowledge base. Okay. Um, and I, and I like to, I like to learn a lot. Um, and so the opportunity to go potentially from client to client and see different issues that they're having versus different things that they do really well and kind of at the, with an end goal of saying, all right, yeah, I know what a perfect or great organization needs to look like from an accounting perspective. Um, also just from a business operations perspective, yep. um, having the opportunity to go in and see the numbers and really when you see the numbers, you get to understand the whole entire business. Uh, because you need to know how the business works to drive those numbers. Yeah. Um, so you get to see what, what works really well and what potentially is not working very well. And um, it was with the idea that over the long haul, I would kind of develop what a good company looks like and what potentially a bad company or stuff that you need to avoid in the future looks like. So if I ever decided to move into industry, that I would have a knowledge set to kind of help run things and help provide advice to the company on how we need to move forward yeah. that issues that they might have. See, that's, um, that's so cool, Andrew. And sorry to cut you off, but it's almost like a career accelerator. I like to think about it. And the reason being is because like you're a, ja- a jack of all trades, right? You can look at the numbers, you can understand the business. You could also work on strategy because you know the numbers and you know the numbers behind the business you can work in marketing or product or finance or any real aspect of the business just because you have that skill set. And then also it's like you get visibility and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but visibility to leaders that you might not have access to as an entry level per- person in that position, right? Where 100%. you're working with the people who are signing the checks every day and people who know corporate America, who know big time clients, you know that those checks are actually you know, signed off on by the either CEO or the executive VP or any type of like somebody that's in a senior position. And when you think about it in that perspective, like you're coming out of college at 22, 23, 24, and you have this, I'm going to call it elite skill set that allows you to look at, at the business in a different way. And you're also helping the business become better. And in turn, they're rewarding you by allowing you to get access to their VPs access to their leadership team. And then whenever you do go to make that, that jump into, you know, the industry, you can almost say like, well, I've worked with you guys for the last five, 10 years, you know, my skill set. you know, everything that I'm capable of. I presented to you 200 million times already. Why would you not hire me as a director or a manager or your, you know, executive on your executive team or something of that sort? Would you say that's, that's pretty true? I would say that's 100% true. Listen, when I was interning, I had the opportunity to talk with CFOs, CEOs, um, you know, VPs of finance, the higher level end of the corporate finance department, um, because we were auditing them. Yeah. But I'm, I'm 21, 22 years old at that time, and I'm talking to a guy that has 25 years experience, and he's heading up a billion-dollar end. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, I don't, I don't, one thing about, you know, the, the argument between industry versus public accounting, and this is specific for public accounting, not just consulting, but consulting also has that opportunity to accelerate your career is, um, yeah, you have visibility and, and you have the opportunity to shake hands with these people 
on a yearly basis, but you're communicating with them throughout the whole entire year. Yeah. And, uh, and, and maybe as a staff accountant for their process, they might talk to you once, twice, uh, depending on how, how big the entity is. Um, but they don't know you on a personal level. Whereas if you're an auditor or consultant, sometimes you get the opportunity to develop a, a, a relationship with yeah. those people, which then can exactly in turn come out with a potential job offer years later when you're seeking to leave public accounting, leave the consulting industry in general, jump into a more stable corporate environment. Yeah, man, that's, you make a really good point right there. And it's the personal relationship aspect of it. When I think about my career and its totality, like the only reason I've ever gotten a job is because I've had a personal relationship with someone with call it power. Right. And I got my job at Starbucks because, well, I met the president of Tivana. We developed a great relationship. Next thing you know, I'm getting ready to graduate college and he's like, I'm going to hire you. I didn't even meet my director. I didn't even know who I was working for, but I knew that I was going to be working for someone who was working for someone else who was working for someone else who was working for him. And he knew that if he got me in his organization, that he could know and trust me. Right. And yeah. I think that when you build that level of trust, then you can essentially do anything within your career. Right. As long as you continue to work your ass off and produce good work and then still keep it within good faith and not talking about God faith, but talking about the fact that like people have faith that you're going to continue to do the good stuff that you're, that you've been producing. And that's how I got my job at Nordstrom too. Like, shoot, end of August, my manager, my now manager called me and she was like, Hey, we have an open position. I know that you'd be great for it. I need you to interview for it. And I was like, well, let's talk a little bit about the details. And then we got, got into it, but she never would have asked me to do that if she didn't know what I was capable of. And then she also wouldn't have helped me through the interview process if she didn't know what I was capable of. So it's like, I think personal relationships and networking is so big. And it sounds like within the consulting realm, it's like once you get going and once you feel a little bit more comfortable, at least like speaking with executive leaders and understanding what it is that makes them them tick, their pain points, and then also developing those personal relationships, it's like the world is your oyster. And it's like you, and this is my opinion, is that you took the best avenue that you could to get to your end goal, Right. I graduated from Clemson. I took a seventh month long internship, which was not easy because it was during busy season. And I had to continually uh, shoot, beat a 21 year old who's pitching stuff and also letting leaders who are 50, 55, 60 years old know what's going on within their business. But in turn, it's now making me more comfortable. So that way, when I'm 25, 30, 35, I could be running my business and then talking to not executive leaders, but people who are on my board of directors or whatever that might be. So I think that's, I think the personal relationship aspect of it is so important. I didn't even realize that's, that's one of the things that comes out of consulting. And that's why, I mean, shoot me personally, as I see different consultants around the industry, around like working in marketing or all these other different groups, the one thing that they're really good at is always building a personal relationship with people before they even get into the work. And I'm always just so like taken back, like, damn, y'all are good. (laughs) Y'all are really good. Um, So pivoting just real quickly, Andrew, tell me this. It looks glorious, right? It it looks very, very glorious on the outside. And a lot of people either think I want to go be a flight attendant or I want to go be a consultant. And now those are two completely different realms, but the, root cause of why they want to do it is the same. They want to travel. 
right? So I don't get to travel nearly as much as I would hoped or had thought that I was going to within my corporate environment, which I think is just okay because now I've realized that travel makes me a lot more tired. As I get older, I get more lackadaisical and all these different things. But when I think about consulting, I think about all the great things about, you know, I'm not even going to talk about the travel rewards because that's that's just kind of like a, a byproduct of it. But traveling and going to different states and visiting different clients, would you say it's as glorious as it seems? Or how like how would you necessarily talk about the the work and then also the fact that like you're traveling on top of it and you know living out of a hotel or eating on the on the road all the time? All right. Well, first, let's just talk the benefits because how we met was a benefit of my traveling for work. Yes, you're absolutely right. right. Yep. Literally, uh, and then and it's what uh, people in the industry call alt traveling, which is just alternate traveling. So instead of going home for the weekend, uh, if you're out in a client on a weekly basis, instead of going home for the weekend, I could travel basically wherever I wanted as long as it was equal or lesser value of getting me home. That's awesome. Um, and oh yeah, so so I got to travel out to Seattle for free because actually, believe it or not, it was cheaper than flying back to Charlotte. So, <laughs> was, so I, I don't know how. When, I mean, this is when I was stationed out in Iowa, uh, but I don't know how it was cheaper to get out to Seattle rather than flying back to the East Coast. But it was, and I was able to take advantage of that. So it has its advantages. Um, it also has its disadvantages. And so one thing I would say is. Uh, you know, if you're young and single, you don't have any pets. Uh, it's a pretty good lifestyle that it eventually can get old. Yeah. Um, but but you get to reap benefits and see the world. Um, sometimes see the world. You might be uh, closed up in the office for quite some time, depending. Yeah. But you get the opportunity to go out to places that you would never get to travel to. Uh, so Des Moines, Iowa, for example. I wouldn't see myself traveling out to Des Moines, Iowa, unless it was for work, right? Yeah. Um, it's cold. It's in the middle of the country. I'm an East Coast guy. Uh, probably would never travel <laughs> out there. However, I spent some spent a significant amount of time out there now, and, and I've been to Des Moines. I've been to Iowa. Yeah. So across the, across the state off the list that I probably would have never gotten to. Um, and and it's great. I Yes, as you said earlier, I have a lot of travel points. I've got... 20, I can basically stay in, you know, any hotel chain I want to for several nights just based off of points. Uh, and that's great. But it definitely does uh, take a wear on, and a toll on your body. Um, you know, I was traveling Sunday through Friday working, you know, 60 plus hours a week. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it, it's tiring hopping on that plane, really getting on Friday night and then having Saturday to yourself and then you're back on the plane now Sunday. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it can be glorious and, um, but it also can be painful. It just depends on what your company's doing. The, um, the, the project itself that you're working on. Cause a lot of people get to travel Monday through Thursday and I'm telling you that's ideal Work from yeah. Friday or work from the office on Friday. Um, and that's a beautiful situation. Um, uh, but it, it partially depends on what products you put projects you get assigned to. Um, as well as, uh, you know, how open you are to taking advantage of the opportunities that you have. Yeah. So for me, taking advantage of that all travel was awesome and, and rewarding, but I know a lot of people that just like to get home and they don't really like being out on the road. Yeah. They, or they might have a, a, a spouse at home and they want to go home and see them. 
right? But fortunately, I, I've, I've been single and, and haven't had the need to go home. So it's worked out really well for me. That's awesome. Uh, for, yeah. So it, it just depends on the situation that you have and, and really what's going on in your life. Yeah. Uh, it can be really glorious if you're single and hungry and you really want to get out there and get after it and, and see a lot of different things, see a lot of different clients. Traveling is spectacular. Uh, but if you're more of a homebody, I, I, it might not be for you. And that's something that probably when you're interviewing for a job in, in this field, you probably want to ask, hey, how much traveling am I going to be doing? Because <laughs> if you're not interested in it, um, you got to let them know immediately and up front. Because if you're not up front about it, chances are you're going to get sent on the road. Okay. Um, that's that's a really good perspective on it. And thinking about like how it wears and tears on your body just a little bit, right? I think mind over matter in my, in my humble opinion. And I think that if you think to yourself, like I can do this and I'm going to live this lifestyle for the next five to 10 years and you really commit to it, then you'll be fine. Right now you obviously go through the trials and tribulations of being tired on say you have to travel, like you said, on Sundays through Fridays and really only having that Saturday to yourself. But as I've, and, and I'm just saying this, as I've gotten older, I've realized that I actually enjoy work a lot more than I thought I would. Because it's like thought provoking. It's allowing me to think in, in a deeper capacity than I've ever thought before. I get to interact with different people. But the other aspect of it too is that I learned personal health tips from people at work and how they go about their routines, whether they work out in the morning, whether they work out in the evening, whether they work out during lunch, um, what they're eating during the day as well. And my question for you, Andrew, is how do you maintain good health? I mean, I'm looking at you right now, dude. You're you're jacked. Like you're, you're, you're not, you, dad bot is not coming in hot in any way, shape or form. Right. So how do you work 60 plus hours and then also balance the fact that you want to maintain a healthy ish lifestyle where you're not eating at a McDonald's or eating out at a restaurant every night? Or if you are, maybe you're getting something that's a little bit healthier. I just would love your perspective on how to maintain that type of health, especially as regardless if, if you're traveling for work or not, but like if you're traveling, you should still at least be able to maintain. Yeah. You have to be very conscious of it. Um, that is something that, you know, as I'm out every week, I'm still traveling every week. Um, and sometimes right now I'm in a town that doesn't have many food options. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it can be tough, but it, you have to be very conscious of it because one of the glory, gloriful things of being on the road that I actually didn't harp on earlier is, is the fact that primarily your company's paying for all of your food that you're, that you, and, and, and all of your expenses uh, that it would take for, you know, you to be able to be out there. Yeah. So it, it, they, they pay for your food, which actually is an extreme benefit that I can't believe I missed because my accounting side is like tingling right now where it's like, hey, you get to save a lot of cash. That is one thing that, I mean, especially on my Sunday through Friday project where I'm getting tired, one thing I continually reminded myself of was, hey, I really only have expenses for just about one day of the week. Wow. And um, so I was able to save up a lot of my normal, you know, weekly expenses, the groceries, et cetera, because I didn't have to pay for myself. Um, but you, uh, going back to the health conscious part of it is, you really have to be aware of what you're doing. And I make it a, I make it part of my routine that I have to get in the gym at least a few times a week. Okay. Um, and, I, and I try to eat relatively healthy. You know, I have a, it, 
those cheat meals that all the yeah. fitness advisors are telling you to. I, you know, I have one one day where I give a little bit of splurge, but usually on that day, um, I'll try to lift uh, to, to kind of counteract on that on that fact that I'm being a little gluttonous. Yeah. Um, but but it's something that you, especially while you're traveling, you have to be very aware of because when you're going out, you're not preparing your own food. You're getting portions that are usually a lot larger than what you would eat at home. Yeah. And so, and you have to be very cognizant of the fact that people are probably preparing your food with a lot more butter than you would at home. Okay. People are going to give you serving sizes that are good for two people. Um, And so one thing that I've kind of implemented in my life and it's worked really well for me is the whole intermittent fasting thing. I don't eat breakfast and, and it keeps my calorie count down, but I have to be very aware of it because I can become a pretty thick boy pretty quickly if I'm not paying attention to it. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> as much as I uh, as, as much as I would love to say that I can eat anything I want and you know work all these hours, and one thing about working a lot of hours is it's that I'm sedentary. I'm sitting in a seat for a lot of the day. Yeah. Um, so I try to work walks in, you know, like a little 15 minute break just about usually one in the morning and one in the afternoon okay. just to make sure that I'm getting up and, and getting a little bit of activity. Um, and it helps clear my mind. And, and usually that's when I'm thinking about, uh, that's usually when my best thoughts come out. Yeah. When I hop and, and step out for 15 minutes and just walk around and it's like, you get the opportunity to digest. And that's usually where I'll have that thought provoking solution to the problem that I'm currently having. And, and, I'll go and implement. Um, but you have to be very conscious of it when you're traveling because, like I said, you're not preparing your own food and the opportunity, like, <laughs> you have the opportunity at your fingertips to go out and be as gluttonous as you want to if you want to. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. I, I Thank you for that, man. I mean, first off, thank you for sharing the additional benefit of the fact that, like, you know, everything is paid for and you're saving a crap ton of cash, right? And you're not really, like you said, you have one day of expenses. And if you want to make that a $10 day, it, it really could. I mean, you can make it a $20 day and then you're like, well, the rest still goes into savings. And then the exactly. other the other part that I find that super interesting is the walk aspect of it. And this is something that I have never talked about on this podcast, but it's a really good point because when I think about just myself, you, other people that I know that have great ideas, great thoughts. Um, I mean, we all do, right? Like we're all working so, so much during the day. And when you're behind your computer, you're thinking about the task at hand and how you're going to get that done and how you're going to get that done in a, you know, the best way possible and also the most efficient way possible too, because you don't want to spend too much time on it. But when you take that break, whether it's, you know, I'm going to say going to the bathroom, because that's where I have my best thoughts, taking a walk, you know, going to the gym during the day, like having that little whether it's a five minute break, a 10 minute break, a 15 minute break, even a 30 minute break, like allowing yourself to think outside the box and just have your mind wander is when all of a sudden those great like light bulb ideas kind of click. And it's like, bing, boom, like, holy crap, I got it. And then you figure it out and you're like, I got to get back to my desk now. Cause I got to figure this shit out. Like you, you get so excited about it because you have that one thought, that one idea that truly, I mean, sh- there I've, my dad is an entrepreneur. And when he tells me about like some of his greatest ideas and some of his greatest like events that he's put on, they all come to him, whether he's at the gym or whether he's on the toilet. 
And like, he might kill me for saying that, but like, uh, me too. I mean, like you are in solitude, you're sitting by yourself, but you're also not thinking about anything besides like, you know, whatever's on your mind and your mind kind of wanders. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, that I could, yep. I got to I've got to write this down right now. Some of my best thoughts come in the dang shower. Like now I was just about to say the shower for me. I had one the other day where I, I took a week's worth of work and was able to narrow it down to about an hour and a half because I thought about something in the shower. I was like, there we go. That's it. Well, and like when those ideas come to you, like, and I don't know about you and this just might be me because I'm a, I'm a little crazy, but like they come to me and I'll open up my shower curtains and I'll grab some, a pen and paper and I'll write it down real quickly. Cause I'm like, I can't forget this. Like I can't, this is too good. And that's where a lot of like my podcast stuff comes from. My blog stuff comes from like when I've been working on this dang book, because it's, writing a book is hard, but at the same time, like I get into writer's block and then I, I get into a little bit of a funk for like the next like 30 minutes. And then I go, you know, to the bathroom or I go take a shower or whatever. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I got it. And it's like those, those light bulb things kind of click in your head when you allow yourself to get out of that headspace. So that's good to know from like a health perspective too, that not only do you have to take care of your, your body from eating and also hitting the gym a couple times a week, but you also have to take care of your mental, right? Because like, if you don't take these breaks, then you're just going to be so caught up in the day to day of everything that's going on. And I, I, I'm no, you know, mental health, uh, doctor. Yeah. But still like, it's not good for your mental and like, it could cause some really bad anxiety if you're doing nothing besides thinking about work. So yeah, I, I, to- I totally agree. And I also try to read, you know, about 30 minutes each night, depending on, you know, what I'm reading. If it, that also helps you to get out into a totally different headspace and a, a different realm of thought that oh, yeah. uh, you might not be having during your working hours, but to be able to think in a different perspective and, and potentially even have a paradigm shift is, is pretty crucial, especially for consulting where you might be dealing with a problem. Um, you have to solve that problem and through your current lens. You're not necessarily uh, figuring it out. Yeah. And so get, getting into other lenses to be able to think about the problem from a different perspective is, is pretty, pretty huge. So having the opportunity to, to do other things, right? Not just do what you're working, not, not just working. Yep. Um, and, and having that different headspace well, it can often have benefits when it comes back to getting into that current headspace, right? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And switching gears just real, real quickly – if you had five like top tips for someone who is looking into getting into consulting or, you know, was thinking about, about being a consultant, I gave you the, the quick story about my brother, like, Oh my God, like, I think I want to go get into consulting. Like, what's it like? Right. And I can only give so much to them being a non-consultant, but I'd love to just get your top tips on how to get into consulting, what to think about consult about consulting. And then also like, you know, how to go about it. Um, so, I actually, yeah, I, I put together five for you, um, but I also put together a bonus one. So you're gonna let's go. Five. The people get the bonus today. <laughs> they get the bonus round. Um, so the first thing I would do if I'm getting into consulting is is you have to acquire the technical knowledge, um, whether it's through working, um, and I'll use software as an example. So it's whether you're working with a specific software and you gain the knowledge for the ins and the outs of that software, and then you go and you start doing software implementations or if it's through education or a certification process. So for me, 
Um, after undergrad and after that internship, I went and got my master's and studied for the CPA and passed all those exams. And, um, and that gave me a pool of knowledge. And at the end of the day, all consultants need to have a base pool of knowledge to tap on okay. um, because that's what they're being hired to do, right? They, they are usually hired to have a set of knowledge that, that the clients don't have, and therefore you got to come in and help them on it. Um, and two, I would say, uh, and this is kind of interesting and might not necessarily be um, advice that other people would give is, is I would prepare a relevant case study for the industry or niche you're trying to get into. That's awesome. Um, this can probably, uh, I mean, oftentimes if, if you put a case study together on stuff that you're wanting to do consulting for, uh, that can separate you from the pack. And it also shows your interviewers that you're dedicated to that specific thing. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, the third one, I would say. Can I stop you? Can I just stop you real quickly? Um, yeah, for sure. Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street. It's almost the exact same thing, right? And now he he cheated. He 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 got in a lot of trouble, sure. But when he was going in, and I don't know how many people have seen the movie. I'd hope a lot. But when he went in to go get hired at the first uh, financial place that the first bank that he was going to pitch at, he actually pitched a stock in his interview meeting and. I've read the book and that's a true story. <laughs> like he pitched a stock to the, to the interviewer. And then they were like, you're hired. Like, yeah, you just pitched me on that stock and I don't even want to buy it. Right. So it's almost the same exact thing. It's like, bring a case study, show that you're interested, show that you're willing to do the work and then also show your expertise. And then it's like, let the chips fall where they may. And they'll typically fall in your, in your camp if you did good work. Exactly. And it's like, it shows that you're, involved in that preparation process, which um, being prepared is, is one of the most important things uh, going. And there's a lot of things that you might uh, not be able to prepare for, but um, usually if, 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 if you're doing a little bit of preparation on the front end, um, you've thought through different scenarios. And, and if that comes up, you would usually have the opportunity to have an answer for it. I love that. Um, so the, the third one that I had was uh, gaining the proper experience. Um, and developing a track record and, okay. or demonstrating just the fact that or ability to be a lifelong learner. Um, so mm. it makes it tons. It makes it super easy. Um, it makes it easier for companies that are thinking about hiring you. If you already have a track record of alleviating issues that you're going to be working on. Right. Um, and I know um, this is one thing, and I'll get into it later, but a, a lot of consultants bounce from consulting firm to consulting firm. So uh, if you already have a track record at one to, to be, you know, very good at what you do, it makes it that much easier. And that's something okay. that, you know, it's, it might not be for uh, one of the kids, you know, the audience right now that's in college because obviously they haven't really been out in the work field yet and workforce but um for people that are looking to get into consulting um that may, may be an industry right now uh if they can say hey here's what i did at my company here's the track record i already had um i, I would like to do this on a, a much broader scale with many more companies yeah um, the, the, the company that's thinking about hiring you says yeah yeah we we, we see this and we see it's worked at this company um we would love to have you come on and, and do projects like that. Yeah, no, I love that because it's like building a reputation. 
right? At mm-hmm. the end of the day. And even like college students, when they're coming into it, it's like they got to come into it and know that they're coming in guns blazing. Like I got to come in and I got to do my very best work because the first five, 10 years of my career are super important for setting the foundation of everything that I'm going to be doing. And say, I may not like the consulting group that I'm with at the beginning. That's fine. I still need to do great work and I still need to have people like me and respect me. So that way, when I go on to that next firm or next entity, I could at least have the track record and then know that if anyone were to call my former boss or people that I worked with, they'd be like, yeah, no, Andrew did great work. Andrew's great. We love Andrew. Like we're sad to see him go, right? Rather than having the opposite where they're like, well, Andrew was a problem child or Andrew didn't do this or Andrew didn't do that. And like all of a sudden it kind of ruins your reputation. And to your point, like you got to build that track record to be able to continue to learn and grow in your career and then also keep moving up. I agree. I agree. Um, so the, the next one I got for you, it's, it's more of a soft skill. Okay. Um, but it, it's developing your own self-confidence. You got to be confident in yourself um, because at the end of the day, consulting is an industry. Uh, you know, it's a professional service. Um, it is oftentimes there is a problem that needs to be solved or it might be, uh, you know, you're helping with compliance for a certain regulatory body that in-house they don't have the skill set to do. And, and for some organizations that you'll be helping, it's critical that you're confident in yourself. Um, you're, you're always client facing. And just about all the time, you're under that microscope that we talked about earlier. And, and if someone asks you a question, you might not necessarily know the answer to. Um, you have to have the confidence that you can go out and, and find that answer. Yeah. Um, or, come, or come up with an answer to solve their issue. Um, you definitely don't want to be the consultant out there that gets asked a question. And uh, you say, hey, hey I, I don't know. And you kind of have a breakdown because you, you're supposed to be that trusted advisor for that client who, and you have no idea what you need to do is be able to uh, really process it and say, Hey, listen, uh, I can't give you a, a full blown answer right now, but give me a, a little bit and I will come back with an answer for you. Yeah. And you gotta be confident in yourself that you can go and do that. I'm gonna have to bring you on for another podcast episode so we could go deeper in that one. I love that. <laughs> for sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. It's, it, it, it is a scenario though where you know you might get something that you is totally outside of your scope of knowledge, but uh, the client think it's part of you know your knowledge base, and and if that's the case, you know you gotta I, I don't fake it until you make it, but make them aware that you're working on following up for them. Yeah, um, and and that kind of goes hand in hand with what I said earlier, being a lifelong learner. Um, you, you got to continue to make sure that you're studying up and teaching yourself. That's part of being a consultant is making sure that you're up to date on everything that's going on. Okay. Um, and, and especially in, within your field. Um, and the fifth one I got for you is networking, which you already hit on and, and you're the master networker. So I'm sure your audience <laughs> is right there all the time. Uh, but once you realize that, uh, you get into consulting and you realize that a lot of people are bouncing from consulting firm to consulting firm. And the more hands you shake, uh, it, it really works out. And knowing people all over the industry, that allows you to understand the trends that are going on. 
um, and the knowledge that you might need to acquire. Uh, so, and, and it, you never know where your network's going to come back and help you at the end of the day. And, and it's something that can help you get into consulting um, because you might know some people at different firms and you might need to know what you stuff you need to study up on to potentially break through that interview and, and get that job. Yeah. Um, so you, and networking can help in so many different facets of life, but um, it definitely is helpful in getting into the consulting world. And then uh, the last one that I have, it's a little bonus. Is this the bonus? It's bonus time. It's bonus time. It's a bonus time. Raise the roof, baby. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's interview preparation. Um, oh. you got to research with, with these consulting interviews. You will get asked a wide variety of questions. Um, and you got to research the potential interview questions that you might get. And you got to anticipate those brain teachers. I've heard of people getting asked, um, actually, my brother got asked this. He's a consultant as well. He got asked, how many chairs do you think are in the Empire State Building? And, um, you know, (laughs) when you're getting asked that and you have no expectation of getting asked that question, you can stumble. And and really what they're looking for is is how your brain works and um, how you think. Yeah, and how how you would how you would help to, to problem solve, um, because just like I said earlier, you, there's a chance that a client asks you a question that <laughs> you didn't anticipate, or you <laughs> you really don't have any <laughs> clue what the answer is, and um, and you got to come up with something, or or you know at least push it off to the point with with a certain amount of um, enthusiasm and. Um, wherewithal to say, Hey, I, I, I'll, I will have an answer for you in, in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. And, and, and uh, those, those interviews, they, there's a chance that you might get how many ping pong balls or can fit on an airplane. That's something I've seen <laughs> uh, happen as well. It's like these random questions that you're just like, man, if you're thinking about that and you get, and you get caught off guard, I have no idea. I don't know how many ping pong balls could go on an airplane, but uh, you know, that's not that's not the answer you can give in an interview, and so you got to anticipate those types of questions. Yeah, no, these are great, Andrew. This is fantastic, and I mean it. I'm going to be bringing you back on to talk about confidence and networking. Actually, I'm as we're talking right now, I'm thinking that could be like a double episode where I bring you back on to kind of talk about it, go a little bit deeper into how to build self confidence, how to portray yourself as super confident, even though you might not be, because that's something that I went through too, and just the fact of like you know, having to present to leaders and things of that sort where you may not know the answer. They might ask you, I'm working in coffee and they might go, well, what's going on with cookies? And I'm going to go, you know what? That's a great question, but let me follow up and let me go find out because I don't know the answer right now. Right. But that's a part of confidence too, is being confident in yourself to say, I don't know the answer, but you know what? I'll go figure it out. And then it comes and then in turn, it like falls into follow through and all the different aspects of that. But we could talk about that at a later time. What I did want to do. One second, sec, because I can tie this in, you know, it, for people in our generation, right? The millennials. Yep. Uh, having that confidence, especially to be able to talk to people um, that are part of the okay boomer generation, <laughs> you know, or, or um, you know, uh, whatever the one in between uh, the baby boomers and us is. Yeah. Um, but the people that have been in, in the industry or 
they've had these careers for 10 plus years, 20 plus years, 30 plus years, to have the confidence to talk to them and, 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 and come off as if you understand and know what's going on and, and you're confident in what you're saying is huge because if you're not, they, they can read that. Oh yeah. And, and, um, and they're looking for people in our generation that, that have that confidence that, um, that have that knowledge base and, and, and think critically where they're like, yep. Okay. I can trust this kid. And it comes back to the trust. And, um, and then you continue to work hard and, and you don't jeopardize that trust and, and it works out. But, um, and that, and that sets you apart as you move forward in your career. Oh yeah. Um, we're building the house, baby. Building the house. Yeah. The foundation is being built. Exactly. Right now we're at the foundation. Um, we can get into this in the future because I just transitioned into a different job, but uh, it's it's kind of in that market and you got to build a foundation before you can do anything else. And that's what stage we're in right now. Yes, sir. I love it. I love it. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on, man, and for agreeing to be on the show today. I know... I know that people are going to love this. I mean, shit, I love it. <laughs> this was great. I learned so much today. I, I really did. I mean, to learn all about the consulting realm and we're, again, we'll go deeper into some of the softer skills and, and things that could help people, not only within whether they want to be consultants or, you know, corporate marketers or anything in their life. And dude, like you're, you're awesome. And I appreciate you, your friendship. It's been so much damn fun. Like I got to see you soon. So we'll make it happen too. Yeah, we can plan a trip. We can plan a trip. We still got to go out to Madrid. Oh, yeah. We definitely got to go to Madrid. I am all in for that. All in. (laughs) Just like the the Tigers. And, hey, by the way, I appreciate the fact that I listened to Thomas's interview the other day. And uh, you you say you're you're an honorary Tiger, and I I love that. I am. I am. I'm an honorary Tiger. (laughs) I've been to more Clemson games than I have some other teams. So it's like – you know what? And I, and I like the school. I, I, I am a big fan of Dabo Sweeney. I think he does everything within good faith. And he's also just a very real dude. So can't be mad at him. And then Deshaun Watson is the reason that I got swooned over there. So besides the fact that, you know, majority of my friends went to Clemson too. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, I really appreciate you having me come on. Um, and, and I really appreciate you as a friend as well. It, yeah, I learned a ton from you and I love the fact that you're out here hustling and you've got a side hustle and, and, and you're really passionate about it. And trust me, it inspires me. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a review. Go ahead and check us out on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Millennial Way. And check out our website at itsmillennialtalk.com where there's new blog posts and updates. We will see you next Winning Wednesday. Go grab those dubs. This is The Millennial Way, tailoring the next generation of leaders.